some of these pastors were street kids, and um, and they were being abused, used for drug running, um, and on and on. And somehow they found Christ. Somehow they got plugged into a church, and we had the opportunity to come beside them as a pastor and help them grow their church. Welcome to the Missions Pastor Podcast presented by One Child. One Child is a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. We believe that the local church has the message of hope that the world desperately needs to hear. And in every episode, we highlight churches, pastors, and ministries who are working to bring that hope to hard places. I'm David Jesse. I'm your host for today's conversation with Kevin Duffy. One of the many hats that Kevin wears at Village Baptist Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina, is missions pastor. Kevin has been serving there since 2005, and he has a lot of wisdom to share. I asked Kevin to tell me a little bit more about Village Baptist's face-to-faith initiative. Here's what he had to say. So face-to-faith came about um, several years ago um, through one of our one of our church members. Um, we had done um, an evangelism training program called Faith, F-A-I-T-H. And uh, we spent several weeks training our church members how to share their faith using the word faith, an acronym. And uh, they would go out and visit with people who had been guests of our church, or they would talk to people they would run into uh, in the neighborhood um, and find out more about them if the opportunity presented itself to, to share the gospel, uh, lead them to Christ. And we had a very, very effective program for us. We actually ran that program for, I believe it was 14 years. And uh, it was, it was a great, great program. Um, But one of our, one of our participants, a guy named Don Honeywell, um, loved that and had a heart for international missions. And so he took that program and he reworked it. Um, to uh, cater to uh, other nations. And I can't remember which country he went to first, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, in Uganda. Um, And then it just expanded from there. He would identify pastors, local pastors, um, who either wanted to plant a church or they needed a tool to grow their church. And uh, he would bring them on and he would spend time training them how to uh, use this evangelism strategy and uh, then incorporate or assimilate people into their congregation. And he had wild success uh, over there. So that grew to a point where we had um, pastors who were leading their own conferences of local pastors that they knew who would then go out and train their people to go out and share their faith and then get them plugged back in to their church. So where we are today is we are in several countries in Africa. Um, we have um, one country in South 
Southwest Asia, um, and we are exploring other opportunities in Asia and Europe uh, right now. That's awesome. So what are some of the specific kind of initiatives that are part of what you guys are doing in this faith to faith program? What are the, you know, the, the things that you guys are actually acting out as you do this? Well, primarily what we're doing is we're, um, we are getting our new director for F2F is it's not ours. It's, it's actually a, it operates out of our church, but it's supported by a lot of different individuals and churches. Um, but um, Rusty Russell uh, actually um, takes people from our church, gives them opportunities to go overseas with him and help in the church planning process. In addition, um, we've had opportunities to have pastors go with them and provide additional training, discipleship, um, mentorship for pastors in country. Um, the whole, really the whole goal is to make these pastors better equip these pastors um, to train their people to advance the gospel and grow their church and and plant new churches. Um, We, we go to somewhat rural churches, um, churches that maybe um, they're not, they're not typically going to have somebody come in and spend a lot of time um, in their little church, um, helping them grow. Um, so we kind of, I don't know if we would necessarily target them, but that's a kind of where we end up being, um, and helping those churches. And, um, you know, we're seeing not only lots of people either come to Christ or rededicate their life to Christ, so speak. Um, but we're also seeing church growth and replication. Um, not only that, we're also seeing with these pastors that we've brought on, we've seen them grow. Um, some of these pastors were street kids and, um, and they were being abused, used for drug running, um, and on and on. And somehow they found Christ. Somehow they got plugged into a church and we had the opportunity to come beside them as a pastor and help them grow their church. And so we've seen some of these, some of these men who have, um, not only grown their church, but they've managed to go ahead and go to seminary or they've managed to get a master's levels, degrees or doctorates even um, in things like uh, early childhood development. I was just meeting with Rusty here a little while ago um, with a, with a pastor from another country we're looking at. And um, one of our pastors in Africa has his degree in early childhood development. So he's employing what he's learned um, through that degree program in his church, in families to whom he's ministering. So it's been fantastic. Not only are we seeing the churches grow, but we're seeing these pastors grow too. And they're becoming more effective, not just in winning people to Christ, but helping them to deal with the real problems that they're dealing with in their culture, in their communities, um, and, um, and helping them to disciple other people, to disciple their families better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that as as I've learned a little bit about uh, this initiative and this this strategy, you know, obviously pastoral discipleship and and is is a big element of that. Um, as you disciple, as as people through this program are are being disciples, these pastors are being discipled. They're discipling others, uh, but there's also things like you know uh, you know. Uh, 
child and orphan care and humanitarian aid, Bible distribution and all of that. What are, uh, explain a little bit about how that works within this, within the framework of this. Mm-hmm. So one of our partners um, in one of these countries uh, is a guy named uh, Isaac and he has run an orphanage um, for years and years and years. And some of our first pastors um, were kids that were raised in an orphanage. Um, one of them um, right now is also named Isaac, but he was an orphan at that school. Um, we'd been working there and he became a pastor and now he's a pastor that we work with. Um, so we take teams over there to train pastors, but I've taken college and high school students over there to work with the orphans and to teach um, in their school. That particular orphanage has its own school. And so we've had the opportunity to go into those classrooms and um, preach the gospel, to work with the kids, build relationships with them. And those opportunities were enhanced because of our work with pastors in the community. Um, So it's been an ongoing relationship. It's just produced lots of opportunities for us to impact the lives of children, to impact families specifically and in the community as a, as a whole. That's amazing. So uh, the village church launched uh, face to faith, I guess a little over 10 years ago uh, now. So it's been a decade that you guys have been doing this. What have been some of the, uh, the biggest surprises and maybe some of the biggest challenges that you guys have run into over the past decade? Mm. Wow. Um, Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges for, for us, um, at least from my perspective, is making sure that every single person that we're counting as a salvation actually knows Christ. And this isn't like the fifth time that they've done it. Um, some of the countries we're going to um, are very evangelized. And um, so it's going to be very careful with making sure that um, those we talk to know what decision they're making, understand the gravity of it, um, and that they're getting plugged into a church and being discipled. And one of the problems um, that these pastors have is in some of these countries, um, they're very impoverished. And with poverty um, comes all sorts of other issues. Um, whether that's discord in the home or, or, you know, other activity, um, that people are involved with, um, for a variety of reasons. And so leading them to Christ, we absolutely want to do that, but, um, there are always other issues that we need to deal with as well. And, and we are trying our best to equip the pastors to deal with it. The pastors, we're there for short periods of time. The pastors are there for long periods of time. And so um, we try to give them as much help with that as we can um, from a distance and um, try to support them um, financially or with people as best as best we can. Um, Bible distribution um, is a challenge for us. Um, the program has been so effective in some areas that we sometimes lack funding to actually get a Bible into the hands of every person that comes to Christ. Um, I know that on my trips over there, I have sometimes 
been training pastors who have uh, a Bible that's been passed down to them, you know, through two other pastors. You know, one pastor passes it off to the one that replaced him and he passed it off to the one who replaced him. And so there's a tremendous need in some of these countries just to get the word of God to them. And it's not necessarily that the word of God's not available. It's just that they they don't necessarily have the funding to do to be able to purchase a Bible of their own. So that has been, that has been a big ongoing, uh, ongoing need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about some surprises and, and things that, that have happened that have um, been unexpected joys uh, throughout the 10 years that you guys have been doing this? Well, I think I'll tell you a couple, one of these pastors in particular, um, started off with one church and um, that that young man has not only gotten his degree um, but he is he is holding evangelism rallies in multiple countries um, around Uganda he's engaging with the Muslim community he's winning lots of people to Christ getting plugged into churches helping um, poor families, impoverished children, um, has an orphanage um, in the northern part of Uganda, um, doing his best to um, to take care of these kids in, in a very difficult situation and has managed somehow to start uh, in a very poor part of this country, has managed to start his own school there. He's working on um, sustainability for uh, growing his own crops and raising his own his own cattle. It, it's amazing to me um, how um, how passionate he has been and how um, dedicated he has he has been to this and and what God has done in him and through him. Um, as he, as he followed, just, was just preached the gospel and just loved people. That's been an amazing thing. Uh, another kid, um, another pastor was a kid, a, a street kid in, in, uh, in Kenya. And, um, he was one of our pastors years ago. He has since, you know, been to sem- or been to school, gotten his degree. Now, honestly, is he's pretty wealthy now. And using a lot of what he makes to help F2F, to build up the church, to support other pastors. Um, It's been really neat to see. It's exciting to see the pastors that we've had the opportunity to interact with, to see how they support each other, pray for each other, help each other get things done um, in each other's nations. Um, And that's that's been exciting. The stories that Kevin just shared uh, may have a different context than the work we do here at One Child, but the foundational truth is the same. When God's people come alongside children to provide them hope, their lives are transformed, and then those children are able to go forward and do the same with others. We'll get back to our conversation with Kevin after this brief message from One Child. Together we believe extreme child poverty has an end, and it starts with hope. Hope 
is a vision for a better future, a way to get there, and the courage to try. And it is built through the church all over the world, coming together as one global community to help children thrive. We create a partnership experience that reflects your heart for the world. Together, we find the point where our mission and vision intersect to address the needs of children living in hard places. Together, we are a community that sees children as solutions, not problems. A community with the courage to go to the hard places. A community that gives so children can thrive. Together, this is us. Your church, a shared vision, celebrating global impact through the local church. For more information, visit onechild.org slash partnership. Face to Faith began in Africa, but has spread to other countries uh, in Asia and beyond. And so I asked Kevin if there are any differences in the way the program works in different countries. Well, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Well, um, that's a good question. A lot of what we have done for a long time has been in Africa. And so um, things are different from one African nation to another, but uh, there's a lot of similarity. and what we do. Um, but now as we're in Asia, that's a little bit different. In Africa, we're dealing a lot with specific cults. Uh, we're very aggressive. But increasingly, we're dealing with um, a competition between Islam and Christianity. And so there has been a lot of need in how do you have, how do you have discussions um, you know, with, with Muslims or Muslim families and how do you help the children in those situations? And so that's been a big part of what we have done, what I've been part of, um, in our ministries in Africa, things are a little bit different in some of our other Asian countries. It's not necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily Muslims, but Hindus, um, and, and sometimes rather militant Hindus. We had to deal with, um, governments that are um, not often or sometimes they're not very stable sometimes um, political power changes pretty quickly and so our freedom to share the gospel um, can change pretty rapidly um, and uh, those are things that present a unique a unique challenge and so as we're as f2f is branching out there's there's a lot to learn and um, tailoring how we meet needs in each community um, is something we just, you know, we, we have to assess that um, when we arrive and try to figure out the best way to, to deal with those, with those needs. Um, at the end of the day, the gospel is the gospel. How it's presented might need to change a little bit, but that portion's the same. And, um, so, so that part is, is not that difficult, but the other things, meeting the needs and the cultural, um, uh, challenges, the political challenges, those are all, those are all, um, difficult things sometimes. We've talked a lot about how, um, 
this this initiative has um, worked overseas and the impact that's happened in Africa and in South Asia and, and things like that. But I'm curious that, you know, as the village has been reaching out into um, to, to caring for these pastors and these churches and these communities for the last 10 years, how has that impacted people right there at the village here in the U.S.? Yeah, so... Um we're a Southern Baptist church. And so we give to our cooperative program and support our international mission board. And, um, you know, we, we want to absolutely do that. Um, but what F2F has helped us do is get our people, um, onto a mission field, um, to work with people that we have relationships with people that we're mentoring. So it's not just, it's not just, a short-term mission trip to this particular part of the world to accomplish a particular task, but it's this ongoing relationship with these countries. And it may be, you know, you as a church member, it may be your first time going to one of these countries, but um, it is not the first time that F2F has been to this country and F2F has a good relationship with them. And so our people get to see not just new churches planted or new pastors trained, but they get to see the development and the growth of the pastors with whom we've worked um, for years. And uh, that has been very rewarding um, to see our people experience that. So if, uh, you know, you've been in this missions pastor role for a while and you've seen lots of different things when it comes to missions and, 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 the, the the programs and the strategies and the fads and all of those different types of things that go on. So I'm curious if you were sitting with the uh, the missions pastor, maybe he's new moving or he or she are new moving into this role, or it's a church that's getting ready to bring on a new missions pastor for the first time. What would be the advice that you would give to them as they move into this this new season? Oof, boy, what would I say? That's a good question. Um. This is what I would say. And this is probably one of the greatest lines that I have heard in probably the last 10 years. Might be one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in my life. Um, I took a group of college students um, to Passion uh, in Atlanta. Um, we go every year. Took them a few years ago. And uh, it was back when they were doing community groups. And we went to, as a leader, we went to our leaders community group. And I don't even remember who the pastor was, um, but he opened up the session um, with this line. And he said, we have to remember that our mission is not to make this world a better place from which to go to hell. And that, not only did I agree with it, it really stuck with me and I've used it over and over again. I think one of the, one of the difficulties, um, maybe one of the dangers in missions is you can get so consumed with meeting the physical needs that, um, maybe the gospel can take a backseat in some cases. Um, but the reality is, um, Shoes are going to wear out. Rice is going to run out. Um, 
but Jesus won't. And we've got to keep the gospel has to be front and center. Yes, we need to need need to meet these needs. One, because we love people. And two, because those things are sometimes real barriers to being able to hear the gospel. And so we have to meet those needs. It's absolutely essential that we do that. But what's even more essential than that is that we get to the gospel. And you can't be so consumed with doing things for people that you forget to do the most important thing, which is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. It is unnecessary to add anything to what Kevin just reminded us, but here are three takeaways from our conversation. First, face to faith began out of the heart of a member of the Village Baptist Church. The church released that member to step into what God had put on his heart. And when we do this in our churches, something powerful happens. Second, context changes the way programs are implemented, but the gospel is the same. Face-to-faith may look slightly different in different countries, but the goal and the foundation is still sharing Christ's love. And finally, we can help kids and widows and the poor uh, with clean water and food and medicine and schooling, but if we don't share the gospel, we're missing the whole point. The greatest form of poverty is spiritual poverty, and we have to remind ourselves of this every day. thank Kevin for joining me on this episode of the Missions Pastor Podcast. If you want to learn more about the Village Baptist Church, go to thevillagebc.church. And thank you for listening to the Missions Pastor Podcast. This show is presented by One Child. We are a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. To learn more about how your church can partner with One Child to bring hope to hard places, go to onechild.org slash partnership. Mm-hmm.